1: We have uh, reached the conclusion of a series that we have been in for about a year now, which we have been covering the book of Ephesians. Before we get into that, I just want to read something out of the book of Matthew. I know many of you have been paying attention to things that are going on in Israel, things that are happening uh, around the world. It's starting to bring a lot of questions for Christians, thinking, are we there? Are we at the end? In Matthew chapter 24... It says this, um, Jesus talks about what's going to be the sign. Now, we'll do more teaching on this later. I have done a whole series. You can find it on YouTube about all of the end time stuff. To understand it, you have to go and look at Daniel. You have to look at Ezekiel. You have to look at Matthew, at Luke, at the book of Revelation. You put all of those together, and you have a wonderful picture. But here's what Jesus says. Uh, The disciples asked the question of Jesus, when will these things happen? What will be the sign? Of your coming, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Uh, Jesus answered them and said, Be careful that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must happen. But it is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation. The word nation in the Greek is the word ethnos. It means ethnic group. For ethnic group will rise up against ethnic group. There will be more racial tension than ever before. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes in various places. These are only the beginning of the birth pains. In Luke chapter 21, it also uses the word epidemics or pestilences or pandemics. To use a word that we have heard. So be thinking in your mind, are we hearing that? Wars, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, ethnic group against ethnic group, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes. These are just the beginning. From that point, they will hand you over for persecution. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. Christians will be hated. The Jewish people will be hated, but Christians will be hated. Many will fall away from faith because of the persecution that will happen. This is what's going to happen in the end. So as we start seeing things, Jesus gives the warning. He says, do not be alarmed. Understand that these things are going on. Make sure your heart is ready. Make sure that you are prepared. Make sure you are watching the signs of the times. Israel is the timepiece. It is the center point of all that is happening. And if you think about the world, all of the history... That we read in the Bible, people have tried to, nations have tried to wipe out the nation of Israel from the beginning. They have tried to really invade and wipe them out from the Philistines to the Babylonians to the Roman empires to all of these things. Now, all of them have gone away. Israel still stands. It's God's timepiece. It's a small little piece of real estate, but it is the center point of all the end times things that are going to be happening. So don't be alarmed. Pay attention. Understand the signs. Go watch the series that I did so you can have a good understanding of Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation and Matthew and Luke and other places that the Bible talks about the things that are the end. All of these things will happen and then Jesus says, then the end will come. So, those things have to happen. Don't be alarmed. Don't feel like it's falling apart. It's not going to happen in the next week. We're going to see these things happen. Israel will, this will all blow over to the point of Israel will be at peace. There will be a rise of an antichrist and will bring peace across that region. Israel will feel at peace. The guard will be let down and then the end will come. So just be watching those things. For Ephesians, we have reached the conclusion Ephesians has been nicely divided into those three sections sitting, walking and standing. We learn in the first part of Ephesians to be people of uh, of the chair, people of the stool who learn just to sit. We've got to sit and receive from God. We have to be and not do. We need to learn who he has made us to be. What is our new identity? How has he wired us? What does he want to do in us? We sit and we receive from God before we do anything else. Things like this. In Ephesians 1, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been chosen in him he adopted you as his children you have been redeemed you have been sealed by the holy spirit chapter 2 you were dead in your trespasses and sins but god made you alive in christ jesus for by grace you have been saved you were separate you were excluded you had no hope you were without god in the world but now you have been brought near you have been saved you have been made to have hope that is who you have been is sitting and receiving from God, understanding that brand new identity. Then we looked at walking. What was walking? Well, chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says therefore I a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called with complete humility and gentleness with patience putting up with one another in love making every effort to keep the bond of unity in the spirit that bond of Shalom so that's the second part of that now get up and start walking live it out in your life make let it make a difference in your marriage let it make a difference in your work let it make a difference difference. difference in your own anger and attitude and and approach toward life let God change you from the inside out and then we concluded with standing what is standing well it's chapter 6 finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you're able to stand against the schemes of the devil For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist when the times are evil and after you've done everything to stand firm. So those are the three sections we sit and we receive, we walk it out, and we stand firm as we face the battles. Well, today we're going to conclude this whole series... And understand Paul's final little words given to us, and we could summarize all of these with what I'm going to give you as four or five B statements, B-E statements, ways that we can conclude this, the encouragement that Paul is going to give. Let's pray, and let's read through it together. Father God... Help us as we conclude this letter, this important letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, help us to conclude well. Help us to understand how this little letter can impact our lives 2,000 years later. Lord, as we see things around us that point us to the end, we see things that are happening that make us think that it's just around the corner. We don't know when, we don't know the day or the hour, but it feels like the season. Help us to have our hearts prepared. Help us to not be alarmed. Help us to not be reactive. But help us to continue to trust you, love you, lean upon you through this time. Lord, help us as we conclude these final thoughts of Paul to really take to heart what you want us to be. Not do, but be. Father, thank you for this time. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, let's read the last words. Last time we are going to be into this study. In Ephesians 6, verse, starting verse 18. Paul says this, pray in the Ruach, that is the spirit. Ruach is the Hebrew word for spirit. It means the wind or the breath of God. Pray in the spirit on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all of your brothers and sisters, for all of the holy ones, all saints, all of, in Hebrew, the Kedoshim, And pray for me, Paul says, when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the good news for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may speak boldly the way that I should. Now Tychicus, my dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will give you all the news about me so that you may know how I'm doing. I've sent him to you for this very reason, so that you may know how we are, and he may encourage your hearts. Shalom to the brothers and sisters, and trusting love from God the Father, and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Yeshua, that's Jesus, Yeshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus, the Messiah, With undying love. There are five points, quick points that I want to give you today that Paul is going to conclude this that we can take to heart and say, okay, I'm going to put this into practice in my life. It's part of being and part of doing, it's part of wrapping up all of this. First thing Paul is going to say is be praying for others. This is the challenge I'm going to give you start praying for others, start looking for the opportunity. To actually, seriously pray for people. You have people in your life that you know are in need. They're troubled. Maybe they have a marriage that is broken and falling apart, and they've asked you to pray. Get on your knees and pray for them. Maybe it's somebody who has a health issue, and they said, would you please pray? And you say, okay, I will pray for you. Maybe it's somebody going through a job struggle. Would you please pray for me? Yes, I will pray for you. Maybe it's somebody dealing with an addiction, somebody dealing with a financial issue, who knows what it is, but God has challenged you and put on your heart to pray. Sometimes prayer is an, uh, uh, in an unessential part of people's lives, but it needs to be the essential part of people's lives. It's how we connect with God. God speaks to us through his word. We have to be in his word to hear from God. He uses the Holy Spirit and his word to speak to us. But we speak to him through prayer. It's called effective two-way communication. We read his word and then we pray. We hear from him, and we communicate back to him through prayer. Paul says that this way, and he says it multiple times. Pray in the spirit. When? All the time. With all kinds of prayers and requests. What are the kinds of prayers and requests? Well, those are prayers for our needs. Those are prayers for supplication. Prayers of intercession for other people. Prayers of things that are on our hearts. Conversations we want to have with God. Needs that we are bringing before him. Mostly, it is praise of who God is. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. The first words he taught the disciples were, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done that is the first part of what prayer is prayer is not about what i need it's about praising him you are the king you receive glory it's not my name it's your name it's not my will it's your will god you are the one that is in control so i pray in that way i bring every quest to him With this in mind, he says, keep alert with perseverance and supplication. That's another word for bringing prayer. You are bringing intercession for other people. And then he says, pray for me, that I may have the opportunity to make known Jesus. Pray that I may speak boldly the way that I should. So you pray for others. Do you pray for people that are brothers and sisters in Christ, for other church members? Pray for the pastors of the church? You may not always agree with us. In fact, you may not even like us that much, but you still pray for us. Pray that we have the opportunity to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I would challenge you to get a list. Keep a journal actually start praying for people take it with you everywhere you go and when somebody says would you pray for me you write that prayer down or you write that person down in your journal and you begin to pray for them when they say my marriage is hurting would you pray for me you say yes I will and you make it a part of your life your daily habit of life so be praying for others that's one way we can conclude this series second way is be encouraged in your heart Be encouraged in your heart. The purpose of Paul writing this letter was not to degrade anybody. Paul is not looking to condemn. He is not looking to convict. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Paul was writing to encourage you. Do you know that other people in your life can be a real source of encouragement? There are a couple of kinds of people in this world. There are givers and takers. There are people in life that are very high-need, high-maintenance. You may have friends like this. They don't encourage you. They suck the life out of you, and you are there for them. You don't complain. Well, publicly, you don't complain anyway. You don't try to complain. They can suck the life out of you a little bit. That's not their role. They're not there to be an encourager. There are other people in your life that are tremendous encouragers. The word encourage in the Bible is the word paracleto. Now, the reason I bring that word up is because the Holy Spirit is called the paracletus. He is the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. An encourager is somebody who comes alongside of you. They instruct you. They exhort you. They console you. They instruct you. They help you to be encouraged, which means they inject you with courage. An encourager helps you to have courage to fight the battle to face the fight, to not give up. One of my first thoughts with that was thinking back to World War II. And England was really in the forefront of, you know, they they were in the, the scope of the Nazis. They wanted to come across and take over Europe. And Winston Churchill gave a speech that was one of the most famous speeches of all times. And it was meant to be an encouragement to the people. And at the end of the speech, he said this, He said, even though large tracts of Europe and many old famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all of the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. Well, that's a word of courage to be an encouragement. You know, we need people in our lives like that, who don't let us whine and wallow in our self-pity, but help us to take courage. I am always amazed, as couples are maybe on the verge of divorce... The people that they have that come alongside of them are other divorced people who tell them, Yeah, he's a jerk, or Yeah, she is the worst, you need to divorce them. That's not an encourager. An encourager is somebody who comes along and says, What does God want? You can do this, fight for this, make this work. That's what an encourager does. Now Paul says, that's who this person is. Tychicus, a dearly loved brother, a faithful servant in the Lord, he is coming to you and he will give you all the news about me. He will bring this very letter. I have sent him to you for this very reason, so that you may know how we are and he may encourage your hearts. As we talk about and look toward the end of the age, as the Bible says, and we start seeing all of these things happening around us, things that are falling apart, things that are getting troublesome, you need people in your life who will say, take courage, keep going, keep fighting, keep doing what is right, keep trusting the Lord. So be encouraged in your heart through the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians. Number three. be complete whole and at peace that's the purpose of this book sitting walking standing was why so that we could be whole and complete paul says it this way shalom and let me use just even a different color here shalom to the brothers and sisters what is shalom? Shalom is the word that means peace, but it also really means completeness. And I used this a couple of weeks ago when it describes a wall. A wall that has missing pieces or missing bricks is to, to be called lacking of shalom. The wall that is complete is in shalom, meaning it's full, it's complete. God wants you to be complete, And full in him. You have peace in him. You have fullness in him. You may think you're not. You may think you're inadequate. Not good enough. But you have fullness in God and who he is. So that's the third word of encouragement as we close this. Be complete, whole, and at peace. The fourth thing Paul is going to say as he concludes this letter is also be trusting of the Lord. You can trust him because he is trustworthy. God does not fail. He may not live up to your expectations, but that's a challenge to us to maybe reconsider our expectations. See, some people have the expectation that God will never let anything bad ever happen to me. He will never let anything bad happen in the world. There will never be an issue, never be a problem. If there is a good God, how could He allow the atrocities that we have seen the past couple of weeks in Israel? How could that possibly happen? Trusting of the Lord is not about my expectations, it's about trusting what He has said and what He promises. I can trust Him. The word trust is the same word for faith. It's assurance. It is a trusting love. And that's what Paul concludes with. He was writing to people who were being persecuted more than we could possibly understand. We don't face that the way that they face that. And in the midst of what they were going through, Paul said the trusting love from God the Father. You can have completeness and wholeness through the trusting love that is provided from God the Father and the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. They will give you the ability to have a deep sense of love and trust, but let go of your expectations and let go of what you want to see happen and completely trust him and what he is doing. God is always working behind the scenes. One of my favorite poems is a poem that came from really my wife. She didn't write it. She found it or she has used it in a lot of her testimonies, but it's a a poem called The Weaver. And the picture of The Weaver is this, that there is a tapestry that is being woven. If you've ever seen that happen, you can see all of the threads that are being put together to create a beautiful tapestry. A work of art through thread. But often, the one who's doing the weaving is the only one who sees what the finished product will be. The rest of us only see the backside of the weaving. And if you look at the backside of a tapestry, it looks terrible. It doesn't make any sense. But when you flip that tapestry around, you see a beautiful picture that has been created God is weaving a tapestry in your life and in the world in general. And you have to trust him in the midst of all of it. Sometimes we go through hard times. We go through trials. We go through sorrow. We go through pain. But God is using it to create the tapestry that he wants to create. So we trust him. The final thing that Paul is going to say as we conclude this story is this, be filled with an undying love. Be filled with an undying love. The word undying just means never ending. A love that continues to go. Paul writes these final concluding words, grace be with all those who love Our Lord Jesus, our Lord Yeshua the Christ, the Messiah, with undying love. Can you be said to love God with an undying love? I want to, just for a quick moment as we conclude this, speak a couple of words about this word, undying love. The word love is such a misunderstood word. Maybe if you're a guy... You think of love from an emotional standpoint. It's a gooey feeling. It's an emotional feeling. It's a closeness kind of feeling. And for guys, we often don't feel that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do feel that. You're more in touch with that than I am. But I just don't. I don't feel sometimes the emotion Now, women tend to, and I'm not trying to be, you know, sexist in any way, but women can tend to feel emotions a lot more. I remember times in my life raising three girls, having a wife, and there were times, and I didn't ever get this, but there were times that my daughters or my wife would just need to cry, I don't get that. I've never in my life said, you know, Grant. I just need to have a good cry. If I could just have a good cry, life would be so much. But I don't. I don't do that. But my daughters and my wife have said that at times, and that's because they feel things so much deeper. It's so much more emotional. There's such an emotional connection. Uh, women, by the way they're they're supernaturally gifted because women can use both halves of the brain at the same time and they could be in touch with logic and emotions and it's all connected it's amazing guys can't do that love is not emotional in what's being described See, there there are four different words in the Greek language for love. There's the word eros, which is where we get our word for erotic love. There's the word storge, which is where we get our word for an emotional love. There is the word phileo, which is where we get our word for a friendship love. Then there's the word agape. And the word agape is God's love. It's unconditional. It's one-sided. It's never-ending. The word that Paul uses, though, is a verb. It's the word agapeo. And the word agapeo means a preferential love, a God love when God helps you on the inside to love others. It's not emotional necessarily. It's not, it's not um feelings based it's not you know necessarily a friendship thing it is a deep standing commitment kind of love so as paul concludes he says this be committed with your love for god he has blessed you he loves you He cares for you. He has redeemed you. He has adopted you. He chose you. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He has been there in the good times and the bad. He has a plan for your life. It's up to us to say, I will surrender to that plan. And God, I will continue to stay committed to you with an undying love. Because you first loved me. And that's how Paul concludes. Grace be with those who love god in the end what's going to matter more than anything is do you love him you don't love him you will reject him you don't love him you will walk away from him you don't love him you won't follow him you don't love him and as we go through hard times it will be easy to say i never did believe we have to have love an undying love an undying trust, an undying peace, an undying encouragement as we face the things that are coming our way. Well, as we conclude Ephesians, my hope is that you have learned how to sit, and you've learned how to walk, and you've learned how to stand, and you will continue to stay committed to him, loving him with an undying Love. We're going to conclude in just a moment with, with a video, and it's just the video benediction out of Ephesians chapter 3. And it's a great way, I think, to close out this series. But let's pray. We'll watch this, and then we will leave. Father God, thank you for this word from Ephesians that we have learned how to sit. And for many, that was so important because they have just been busy doing for so long. They're going 100 miles an hour, and they're not just sitting and resting and silently waiting on you. Lord, I know that there are many that learned that truth, that principle, that I need to sit and rest and receive and hear and be rewired by you. And then, Lord, many of us have learned what it means to walk with patience putting up with one another in love. People are hard to put up with at times. People are draining at times. We all have those people in our lives. Yet we are called to love and to put up with them in love. To live life together. To experience the heartbreak together. To be there to help each other through the good times and the bad. So Lord, help us to walk in a manner worthy of you. And Lord, as we are facing battles... Battles for our hearts, battles for our family, battles for our marriage, battles for our community, battles for our culture. Ultimately, the battle for this world, Lord. Help us to stand firm in you, taking upon us the spiritual armor that you provide. Lord, you are good to us. You are worthy of our praise. We could put all of our trust in you. No, And, Lord, we can love you with an undying love. So, Lord, please continue to stoke that flame and help us to burn brightly for you. Father, thank you for this day, for this series, and for all those here. I pray for your protection over them, your care for them, your direction in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet hey god bless you guys and thanks for listening to this message